Welcome to Device Rep Storytime, bringing you stories right from the trenches of medical device by reps for reps. If you like what you hear today and you want to share a story of your own, reach out to us at repstorytime at gmail.com. Anonymity will be respected for those with a corporate parent. If you want to let it all hang out, that's cool with us too. Let's kick it off. All right. Welcome to Device Rep Storytime. This is Jules here. I am so lucky today to be joined by actually a very good friend of mine, Austin Raphael. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having me. I really wanted to get you on for all the reasons, uh, your experience, and also just sort of your origin story, I think is a really uh, cool way for people to get to know you. So tell us all about yourself, my friend. Yeah. So I started with Synthes Trauma when it was the original Synthes back in, I think it was like 2015. Um, I was fortunate enough to have uh, Julia as my trainer, as my field trainer. I wasn't in her territory, but we actually did spend a good solid week together where she helped train me up on um, all the ins and outs of not just products, but just being a rep. You know, that's where I got my start is with Synthes in the Bay Area. I was there as a rep or as an associate for about 18 months. Um, and then I was presented an opportunity with Stryker Trauma in Sacramento. And I was with Stryker Trauma as a rep for six and a half years and was let go from striker trauma and that's something that we can definitely talk about here (laughs) but um so yeah that's kind of just a a short little background of my history as um as a trauma rep it has been um as all the other trauma reps out there will know it's been you know a lot of ups and downs but it's definitely been fun um and i will be going back into trauma with a company. I can't quite name it yet, but Ooh, um, secrets guys, secrets. Uh, you just gotta, gotta make sure all the, the T's and that, you know, you gotta dot all the I's and cross all the T's before you say everything. All right. But I have a question for you. Did you always want to yes. do trauma? How did you get into Cynthia's no, in the first place? Um, I had no idea about medical device at all. I worked at enterprise rent a car and I just knew that I didn't want to rent cars for the rest of my life. And so I saw that, um, you know, initially I got in it for the money because I saw that medical device reps were making good money. Um, I put my, my resume on medreps.com. I got a ton of interviews. I walked into some of these interviews. I remember one was with Bard as like a territory manager. And I had no idea what was going on way over my head. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to get an interview with Synthes in the Bay Area. And I went and drove down there. And uh, the guys on that team were awesome. I remember this is back when uh, you could get snuck into a case without having any credentials if you knew the right people in the hospital. The good and old so, days. And so I was able to actually see uh, X-Fix put on. And I was like, what is going on? But this is awesome. And I remember we went to uh, we went to dinner that night with the two reps in the territory and the manager, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to come here." And at that time, I just packed up all my stuff, threw it in the back of my truck, and drove to San Jose. It was like this monumental shift from renting cars to being in the operating room. But it's now I like 
you know, I haven't been in the operating room for a couple of weeks and it feels so weird to, you know, to not be at the hospital because I'm so used to driving to, you know, the hospital almost every single day. And it's just, it's been very weird not going. I've been fortunate enough to, um, you know, go to lunch with a couple of my surgeons, which has been nice to be able to just see them and, you know, and uh, just see how they're doing. But yeah, it's been weird not being in the, in the OR. So yeah, it's definitely fun when sort of like during your interview process, if you're not aware of the operating room to get bitten by the trauma bug, right? How cool is that? And I think there's people who just immediately gravitate towards it and other ones who are just like, you know, it's not really my bag. Because you you have these joint reps all the time or, you know, not just joint reps, other reps go, oh, you do trauma? Like, why would you ever want to do trauma? And it's like, yeah, you know what? The hours suck, but it's just don't get me wrong. And I've never been a joint rep, but you can build great relationships as a joint rep, but there's no, the relationships that you build in that OR at two 30 in the morning when nothing is going well, are those are the relationships that last. Well, yeah. So talk about that a little bit. What is sort of, you know, your take on sort of the surgeon rep relationship, because I know you pride yourself on that. And it sounds like that's been really important for you, especially recently for anyone who doesn't have that kind of relationship, like why you find that so important. Yeah. Well, I I think it's even more than just the, just the rep surgeon relationship. I think it's the, every relationship within the hospital. And that's from, you know, the scrub techs to the STD to um, to the to the nurse and then to the other reps in the hospital as well because something that I really would have taught early on from you and from the other synthes reps that have that had a lot of longevity was just to be very um, especially with other reps you know you can be you be competitive but be cordial with them and so something and that's something that has actually as of recently really benefited myself because I was in a situation where I all of a sudden just lost my job. Um, You know, I'm a trauma rep with six and a half years with the company. When I got to Sacramento, striker trauma was the laughing stock. Um, I spent six and a half years growing that territory and not to pat myself on the back, but the last, the last, uh, you know, four years of it we hit quota every year and all of a sudden it was like oh no striker's a threat now it's not just synthes or it's not just zimmer it's striker's a threat now and we got to watch out and it was oh he's he's new at first but he'll be gone like the rest of those guys were gone in two years and then kept showing up kept showing up and that's when you know they perceived me as a threat but also you know I learned early on that be competitive, but also be friendly because when I all of a sudden lost my job, the first people that I called to try to find another job were those other reps. And because of the relationships that I had built with them, they picked up the phone and conversations started happening. And every good rep knows this, that you're at some point in your career, you're going to start getting contacted by other companies that's kind of the moment where you go, okay, I'm doing something right because everybody else wants to get me to come to them. Um, and so I was always open to, to talking about opportunities with other people. Um, I never, you know, outright shut them down or said, oh, you need to give me an exorbitant amount of money to make me come over and, make, and disrespect them or, or the manager. But, um, 
you know, I was always open to listening. And, you know, most of the time it was always the conversations kind of stopped early on because it was like, hey, this is where I want to be for right now. And just building those relationships and, you know, with the other reps was huge early on. And then, you know, as far as the relationships with surgeons and I was actually, you know, just recently because of my situation, I was given an opportunity to interview for a job because a surgeon re recommended me to another rep, you know, and as soon as that recommendation came, you know, the rep picked up the phone, called me. He said, I don't know you because um, this was another joint rep, but he's like, hey, if, if this surgeon's recommending you, I want you on my team. So let's sit down and have a conversation. And, you know, most of, the, most of your surgeons out there aren't going to be, for trauma reps, aren't going to be these these huge cutters, unless you, you know, you have level one trauma centers, but you know, these are guys that are doing hip nails late at night and need, you know, they might need a little bit more assistance and you might not want to give them as much of your time because, Hey, when I can go over here, but you know, when it's late at night and those guys need a seasoned rep that can get them, get them out of the, the crap that they got themselves into, um, can lead to a job interview. You never know. So I felt a lot of love from like the hospital community because after I got fired and, you know, I just stopped showing up and then, you know, people are texting me like, Hey, where are you? I hope everything's okay. That was one of the things that like, you know, just building those meaningful relationships within the hospital um, actually kind of, you know, helped me get through a tough time and helped me get job interviews, which is, which, which is always nice when you lose your job. So. Well, and that's a huge thing for people to hear because I think there's a lot of fear um, of, of stepping outside of your company. I, I know that especially like, you know, you and I both worked for Striker, right? Great company, definitely has a lot going for it. Um, I did notice a culture of sort of, you know, us versus them, right? And that if you're a baby rep and you grow up in a culture like that, sometimes there can be pressure to be like, we are the best and kind of lock everyone out of your world. Whereas you and I had come from other companies, you know, we both came from Synthes. And I think we just had a different perspective. Like, no, just be nice to everyone. They say, what, what do they say? We are striker. <laughs> we are striker. We are driven. Uh, which, is, which is great. You can be all those things, but also just like be a good person. Well, it's huge and, because it pays dividends later. Look at you. And, and being a good person is also like, you know, texting the other rep and being like, hey, dude, like, you know, so-and-so has this case tomorrow. I can't get it. Can you get this here? And then- that's going to do two huge things for you. Number one, the surgeon's going to be like, you are my rep because you're going to do whatever it takes for, for me to have successful surgery. And then the, the other rep is going to be like, hey, thanks, man. Thanks for giving, you know, give it, getting me a case. No, it's huge. And especially like having the patient in your focus. And if that's the first thing, then the surgeons see that they trust you. And then, hey, if something bad happens to you, they're like, man, that's my guy, Austin. Like I gotta, and, I gotta lift him up. And I can say, I don't think everyone is going to be as fortunate to have the start that I had and the people around me that I had. And I was super fortunate to start with Synthes when it was just Synthes. And it was a different, it was a different company and the company, like truly every company is going to say they really, truly care about their patients, but most of them just care about, you know, revenue and, you know, built, growing more and more each year. When I started with Synthes, it was like, you didn't talk about money. And it was just, and everyone made a ton of it because guess what? They were just doing the right stuff. 
just do the right thing. One of the number one things that I was taught early on was just do the right thing and the money will come. And I think um, a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the younger reps sometimes just want to, they just want that instant gratification. And um, you know, some of these senior reps, they didn't get the relationships in the hospital with trying to just chase that instant gratification thing. They got those by, you know, doing the right thing and, um, you know, just being a good person and, you know, helping the surgeon help their patients however they need. So for some of the younger people who may be listening, um, and I don't mean that in like a, an age wise, but I mean like whatever stage of your career, right. But the people who were just beginning, they probably don't remember Cynthia's in its heyday. We're actually awesome. I hate to tell you this. We're getting older now. And I, I, <laughs> I know. It's kind of and shocking. I was, hey, I was only there for what, like a year while it was just Cynthia's, but yes, that's when you did the training and it wasn't on an iPad. You actually had to know the answer and write it down. It wasn't multiple choice. You had to really know the answer and you had to write it out in a sentence. <laughs> you mean, uh, you had to be able to spell Arbeis Gemeinschaft for Osteosynthesis Dragon? Are you talking about that ridiculous mess? <laughs> I'm just talking about no, actually knowing it, right? <laughs> you either knew it or you did not. And so, I mean, th- that's kind of a different tangent, but I just think that like, that was just part of the, the company. It's just like, you, you were going to know your stuff and you're going to know the anatomy and you're going to know this and it's going to make you a better rep. You might be thinking like, no, I just need to know features and benefits. Like, and then let me go sell. Trust me, that doesn't work. Well, so do you think that that sort of background, that sort of basis, that um, that groundwork that sort of the legacy synthes education laid, do you think that that uh, gave more length and longevity to those reps in their careers than you see now? Because I feel like the turnover is a bit higher than it used yeah. to be in trauma. I think the one thing is, I think more than the training, it's like everybody wants that instant money, right? And everyone's willing to jump or they go, oh, I just need a couple of years of trauma experience and I can go get a job anywhere. So partly I think that, yes. But I think also like just that Synthes culture, the old school Synthes culture and, you know, that training really, really like instills a love of like helping, you know, because you feel like you actually, you know something when you go into the operating room and you can talk to the surgeon like on a different level than any of the other reps they're like, wow, you actually kind of know what you're talking about. And by having that, now you, you get to a different level in your relationship with the surgeon or with the staff. And I think that just helps you like, be like, wow, I I really do like doing this because they do lean on me to help them. You know, that is something that when I would teach my associates, I taught them how I learned at Synthes, not, not the way that they're, currently being taught by some of the training program. And I will, I will continue to do that. And part of that is like, you want to train somebody that can take your job from you. You don't want them to take your job, but you want that person to be good enough because then you want that surgeon to have that good relationship with them too, because now, you know, helps create, you know, your team. And I think that's huge in the trauma game. If you can have a solid team together, um, makes everyone's life a little bit easier. So well, and I think it makes a, it makes a huge difference for your relationship between senior up and associate, how you treat them. I mean, you know, better than anybody and same with me that like the people who you train, you will come across later in the business and yeah. 
how you treated them, how you train them will come back either to bite you or kiss you. Depends on which one, depends yeah, on yeah. how you treated them. <laughs> and, and that's, so, and that's so true because, you know, if, you know, if you treated them well, I mean, I hope they still would try to take my business. I would expect nothing less. Right. But, um, they, they also will know that they, they probably can't because you're the one <laughs> I literally taught you everything, you know, so <laughs> But hey, I mean, the crazy, the crazy thing is you never know who your boss is going to be next. You never know what company you're going to be at next. I mean, so what was the timeline like from when uh, you left Stryker to your new opportunity? Like, was that a very long search for you or was it relatively fast? So the day that I got let go by Stryker, um, I had already talked to two companies. So I kind of knew what was coming, right? But Within, within a week, I had already, you know, had four or five interviews with, you know, all the major device companies in, in different spaces, in, in, re, in trauma, in recon, in spine. And I think one of the things is when people know that a good, uh, you know, a good rep is, a, let's say, like a free agent, people are going to make a run for it because it's hard to come by somebody that's been in you know, in the operating room for seven years in a, in a territory. And, and when they go around that operating room, they say, Hey, what do you guys think about Austin? And they go, Oh, he's solid rep. He's here. His stuff's always ready to go. Then they're going to be like, he's never done joints before, but we should offer him a job. Yeah. Your because, brand is you. <laughs> yeah. Because it's hard because number one, one of the hardest things is just learning how to navigate an operating room or a hospital and a lot of these staff members, they're not going to like you day one. They're not going to like you year one because they, you know, the whole stigma around the rep is, oh, the rep makes so much money, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, to break down those walls takes some time. And when they finally get broken down, the, you know, kind of a whole nother world opens up. And so w- when a rep comes open, like the companies are going to go. And so you know, I had, you know, like I said, four or five interviews right off the bat. And then, you know, I accepted an offer last Friday. So that was like, that was like three weeks. So about three weeks from the time I got, I got let go till I had a new job, which I thought, which was slow, but from now, like talking to other people, that's pretty fast. It's super fast. And I think it shows sort of your reputation in the community and, uh, you know, the value that you gave people during your time at Stryker, because clearly it resonated with them in a way that was like, Hey, we want that. That's what every rep hopes for is that they, they give to their accounts in a way that it extends beyond the company, which can be scary for companies because it's like, Hey, there's too much power with that rep. But on the other hand, that's your survival because if yep. you leave, then you have to leverage it. You, I, yeah, you have to, you know, cause I could have went into some other spaces probably. Um, but I truly do have like a love in trauma because I think that it's in trauma. You act, I just feel like you can help more. And I like being useful in the, in the operating room and to the staff and, and yeah, like, don't get me wrong The you know, in the other spaces, you know, in orthopedics, you can, de- you can definitely be helpful. But like I said, at 2 a.m., you that's when you're doing trauma cases and that's when that's when you need a solid rep and so you know i definitely wanted to to just stay in trauma do you have a favorite case oh i yeah you know, i love doing tibial nails i i like doing tibial nails because i feel like when you're doing it you can use 
the tibial nail, the nail itself to help reduce the fracture better than in any, like maybe, maybe if you're like a retrograde dis, distal femoral nail, you can help use the nail to help reduce. But I just feel like in the tibia, um, especially doing super brutaler. I don't know. It's like one of my favorites. Every trauma rep has their kinks. <laughs> I, I did enjoy doing gamma nails because it's, it's, that's a good product. It is. Unfortunately, that's something that you have to go against now. Well, I do. Maybe you do soon. I know uh, we could talk I about non-competes and how, and, and how to deal with that for anybody who's ever been through your type of situation. Like how yeah. did you, if you're comfortable speaking about no, it, you yeah, don't have to. No. So the, the whole non-compete, I'm, you know, the first thing I did was make sure make sure you get your non-compete from your company. Striker will send it to you right away because they want to let you know that they own you. <laughs> but, you know, read it over. Definitely, you know, if you have the means, um, get it looked over, you know, by an attorney. With my situation and the whole non-compete, um, I really wanted to steer towards a company where I was going to be a direct employee. So I had the protection of a big company. Um, that was one of my fears with maybe if I would have gone to a distributor, you know, then I'd be personally liable. And that's just something that I don't want to have to deal with. And so that was one of the big things that I made sure I had conversations about with the company was, hey, I was super straightforward. Here's my non-compete. Send it to your legal team. You know, I want, I want to make sure that you guys, if I do decide to go with your company, that you're going you're gonna to be there to, to help, you know, defend me legally. As far as my situation, that's what I really steered towards the W-2 opportunities uh, for that reason. That's a great piece of advice because, you know, people who might be listening thinking, well, you know, what do I do? Uh, there's ways around it. It's, it doesn't mean your life is over. It doesn't mean you can't necessarily work in that space for, you know, an actual year. Um, you know, and for you, you went the smart route, went the W2 route. And so for high value reps like Austin here with all that experience, a new company will usually take the liability for you. Uh, I know for myself personally, I kind of chose to respect it, even though we're in California, we should also say what state we're in. Cause I know oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. very it does, state by yeah. state. You no, know, in Texas, you can't get out of one of those things. Really? I, that's what I've, that's what I've heard. They're super strict in Texas, but um, yeah, in California, your non-compete is, pro is probably also a non-solicitation agreement as well. And so they cannot get you on the non-compete, but if you try to solicit like, you know, your old associate or other people on your team to leave and come join you, they can get you for that. So not only if you got, you know, if you got fired and you're looking to go somewhere else, but if you're looking to leave and then bring somebody else with you, those are conversations that need to be had in person, you know, and not through text messages because you got to really be careful about what you say through text messages because the companies can get your phone and they will. Yeah. Nothing, nothing in writing folks. If you're ever not, <laughs> if you're not sure if you should write it down, probably don't. Uh, yeah. The non-solicitation clause is what got me. I, uh, I was just like nervous about it. I think that's, that's why I respected mine was because I, I knew people over about the Western 10 States and there was a lot of uh, attrition at the time that I left already just organically without me influencing anything. And I think I was just nervous about what is, how does that look? Even if I'm not doing anything because so many people were leaving at the same time, I was like, yes. Meh. you're a lot more, um, let's say like public than I am. I'm, I'm more of a recluse. 
as far as um, on like LinkedIn and stuff like that. So are you trying to say there's not a ton of fully tattooed punk trauma ladies <laughs> out there? What am I noticeable? There, there are more and more women getting into trauma, which is great. Um, I do think that's awesome. But no, you're popular. Come on. Oh, your five bucks is in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's a huge thing though, is I think I just enjoy, uh, I enjoy supporting people and and helping people on their way. And uh, I just met with someone today uh, who's an MSc graduate and just kind of didn't know what to do. You know, he's, he's graduated from medical sales college, um, didn't really have a gig lined up and just reach out to me randomly. And it's like, sometimes the nicest thing you can do in your day is just go have coffee with them and be like, Hey, this is how the business is. This is the area that you're in. Maybe I can connect you with a couple of folks. Cause I know that can come back to you like threefold someday. And I think that's to your point. That's the old trauma rep mentality. Yeah. I right? mean, yeah. And it was just like, like when I got fired, I called you, I think the, that very day when the whole investigation started, should we call it? Um, Mom, what do I do? <laughs> I called you that very day. And it was like, you're you are one of those people that people love to reach out to for advice because you have a lot of you know experience and um you were that person in the or that you know walked in and everyone said oh hey julia the lady at the front desk that the the information desk was like oh hey jules (laughs) well and that was like that was sort of a hard decision right because i love my relationships and so it was like if if when it comes to the non-compete you know, it's not really like, am I giving up trauma for a year? It's I get to keep all my people for a year, even if I get to do something different and learn a new thing, whatever, like I'll get back to it, you know, and, and that's okay. It's not the end of the world. Uh, and that's another good lesson for people out there is if, if there is a situation where you're like, oh man, like this isn't working out, I might have to jump ship or I might want to leave, but there's this non-compete. It's like, well, look, you've got one person on here, like Austin, who is a total badass and people are willing to pay money for him and his legal bills. Right. And you have another person, me, who's like, maybe I'll do something new for a year and not worry about any relationship weirdness with my non-compete done. Both work, both are acceptable. We're both moving on and happy. There is life beyond. (laughs) Yeah. And who knows, maybe you even made the smarter decision because now you haven't pigeonholed yourself into just doing trauma, but <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I'm definitely learning a lot about DME. Um, I'm not sure if I would do it for the rest of my life. I definitely like the patient contact. That's new, huge adjustment for a trauma rep. For us, it's like you have their cell phone numbers. You go to their oh, houses yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're really like you're almost case managing. So you get to know these patients over months, and that can be really great. Or it can be kind of exhausting. I'm a little bit of an empath, so I will see if I survive it for too long. We're <laughs> getting like I mean, too invested. <laughs> that's some of the frame stuff, though, too. Like you will, you will see those patients. It's um, you know, I did a, I did a few of those, and you were in the exam room, you know, post op in the follow up visit, and you're helping, you know, switch struts out and all kinds of stuff. So Austin, for those who might not have ever seen a frame, like a Taylor spatial or a Hoffman version, like what is a frame? Just explain it for those folks. Cause it's, it's not exactly your everyday case. It's just pins, pins, rods, and clamps, right? No, um, it's an external fixator. You'll have uh, typically you'll, you know, with, with the circular frames, you 
you'll have uh, more pins than uh, like wires than you will pins. And there are wires that will go through the bone and they'll connect to, to the circular, um, to the circular frame. And then you'll have you, typically two, um, one, one above and one below, and they'll be connected by rods. Would you say that's good? That sure. you can make a, you can make adjustments and it's, it's for, um, deformity correction type stuff or, um, they're really popular in the, the foot and ankle space for, um, deformity corrections and um you slowly adjust the rods over time and it will deform you know correct the deformity you have to switch some of these these struts out to to shorter or longer in certain situations um they're super they're they're really cool cases and especially when you get to see like the progress over time you know you'll have if you're doing these cases with your surgeon you're going to have a good relationship with your surgeon (laughs) So you're going to be, you know, you're going to be in this office and you're going to see this, you know, the patient's foot correcting or, you know, if they have a tibia deformity or distal femur, you'll see this, uh, you'll see these corrections over time. It's, it's really cool stuff. And it's like, wow. So the products actually do work. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, and for people to know like, Hey, there's variation within orthopedics because sometimes I get people who are sort of trying to break in and, and maybe they haven't had maybe the full family of ortho explained to them and sort of all the family members. Right. And yeah. you can get into some really specialty niche things like deformity correction, which is such a badass little offshoot that it's, a, it's its own animal. It's its own okay. thing. I think there's a guy up in, uh, there's a surgeon up in Oregon. That's like all he does. That's his entire practice is deformity correction. Just putting on frames. I, I'm drawing a blank on the old rep's name that used to help out with Stryker on the West Coast. But he he helped, when he was with Smith and Nephew and he was up in that area. And like, he was at the surgeon's office every day helping him do strut change outs on these patients and, you know, going over x-rays and doing deformity you know, going on the computer and putting in the x-rays and doing the deformity correction planning and, and all that stuff. And so it's a really, it's kind of like a little niche space with inside, inside trauma. And a lot of companies actually have these specialty reps that cover a little bit larger of an area and that will come in for, you know, you have a trauma rep like myself that will get the, you know, get the surgeon to use the product. And then for the first couple of cases, you might have one of these specialty reps that come in and, and help out with it because they really have that expertise. Because whereas as a rep, you might see two a year, they see, you know, two or three a week. Were so, you thinking of Bobby Hale? Yes. There you go. He's a synthes now. Oh, I, I know. I saw that and I was like, see, the more things <laughs> change, the more they stay the same. People just keep bopping around the same yes. companies. Like, again, be nice to everyone. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's. Yeah. It's such a cool little offshoot. Um, and that's what I, you know, kind of what I love about ortho is like, you can never really know it all. You can never really learn it all. Uh, the second you think that you know it all, you're going to get kicked in the teeth by a case. And I just think that's awesome. It's, it's part of the fun of it. I think we're all a little bit masochistic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that way. I mean, and I was, you know, at year, what, seven and a half, or I would every once in a while still get my ass kicked by a case. I'd be like, damn, I did not do a good job. But the next day, I'd walk into that surgeon's clinic and be like, what could I have done better? You know, let's talk about this. I think surgeons really respect that because at the end of the day, it is them, you know, they are doing the surgery, but they love that you're in there, like taking some responsibility and saying like, hey, 
what can I do better next time? How can we operate more efficiently as a team? And I've done that more times than I can count. And, and it you just never happens. stopped doing that. The second you think, you know, you know, oh, I, I don't need to go see him. Guess what? That's the end of the end of your road there with that guy or girl, probably. Yeah, I, I think that's a huge lesson. I, I had a case. Um, I had a case one time uh, where I was, you know, kind of trying to help repair a relationship. Um, and I didn't like not my own relationship. I came in uh, as a as a lead on a team and there had been a bad case with someone else on the team. And I didn't quite understand what had happened there. Right. And the way it was explained to me by the surgeon was, hey, I had a really terrible case. Everything was going wrong. And there was an arterial uh, injury that happened in, in the case. And it was actually an LRF. So a frame case, oh, wow. a circular fixation case that we were kind of just talking about and everything just kind of anything that could have gone wrong, went wrong and everyone got stressed out and the whole room was a mess. And, uh, the patient did have a very major complication and the way that rep, I guess, acted in the moment was just sort of a little bit like, you know, nonchalant, or maybe he was awkward. Didn't, he was very young, didn't quite know how to, mm -hmm. didn't quite know how to act toward a surgeon who was having a major complication because that's an emotional moment for a surgeon. You know, this, they're humans. And that surgeon actually gave a gorgeous talk about sort of the emotional nature of complications and how they deal with it themselves. And it was really eye opening. Um, which I mean, offline, I can like share it with you. It's amazing. Yeah. But, but, uh, apparently this rep just kind of didn't know what to do with that. And he never forgot that and was angry. He was actively angry. And so when I asked him later, sort of like, Hey, can I ask you like, whatever happened with that? All it really took was having a conversation. Like, I hear you. I agree. Do you want me to talk to him? If not, it's fine. If you just want to vent, that's cool. Like but, but yep. giving them that human moment of like, give the complication some space sometimes is all you need. And it's really hard to do. Honestly, it's a tough thing to, to manage. It, it's definitely, it's, it's super tough to manage, especially with like you're done with the case and how do you act towards the surgeon in those just few moments afterwards? And should you even say anything at all? And, you know, I think that every surgeon's different in how they act, but you know, I've had the surgeons where you just say, Hey, have a good night. And then you text them the next morning, you know, a short little story. I had one of my partners just a couple of years ago, I had to leave to go to another case and he was coming to the case with the surgeon that I was working with. And he's a really big doctor for, for us. And I knew that one of our trays was down that he might have needed, but we had a workaround. I didn't say anything to the surgeon. I said it to the rep that was help coming to cover. He was a, a fairly senior rep at the time. I went to go cover uh, a hip fracture with a new surgeon. And I texted the other rep that was in the case. I said, hey, like, what's going on? He said he wanted that tray. And I said, shit. I got done with my case. This is at like 1030 at night. Drive back over to that hospital. And I go and find him, the surgeon. And the surgeon's like, you're really lucky that you came and found me and apologized because I wouldn't have used you for a long time. I would have kept thinking about this for a couple of days and I would have gotten more and more angry. But now that you came and talked to me about this, not angry anymore, but just tell me. And I said, yeah, I know, but we had a workaround. And he goes, so just tell me the workaround and then we'll just use that. Fine, you're good to go. And that was like one of the you know teaching moments where uh, you know it was like, Okay, 
I could have handled that part better, better, but I think overall I handled the situation probably as well as it could have been handled, given that his response of, yeah, I would have gotten more mad as the, as the days would have went by. So, And that yeah. shows medical device takes guts to, to, to last a long time. You have to be very secure. You have to know how to apologize. You have to know how to take feedback in a non-personal way and just admit it. Like, yeah, I screwed up. That was me. I'll, I'll do you, better next time. And I, I think one, one thing that has made me, you, any device reps that have been in it for, you know, five, six, seven, you know, plus years is like being able to read your surgeon or just read the room for the people that are just getting into it to, you know, talk to, talk to the other reps in the hospital or, you know, your senior reps and say, Hey, like teach me about the products. Yes. But teach me about the stuff that you, you know, do you do that you don't, you're not saying out loud necessarily. So that's the way that you're going to help build those relationships because driving 30 minutes across town to at 11, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night to go make, to just go apologize just because I know, I know the surgeon, right? <laughs> so, but that's what gives you the relationships that you can leverage when you're in trouble. Yeah. That's why you're you. And that's why people love you. And that's why you were able to land a gig really fast is because you have the balls to go in the middle of the night and say, you know what? Yeah, I screwed that up. And that wasn't even that big of a screw up. I mean, that's pretty, it's pretty great. Like that's amazing. Yeah. That it was did like, that. you know, he was like, he was going to want a mini frag plate, but we had, we had our small frag in the room and then a mini frag from another company that he uses that if we would have told him like early on and said, Hey, we our mini frag is down. Like we can either use this other company's mini frag or we can use a small frag plate. He'd have been like, okay, cool. I'll just use your small frag plate. That's what he would have said. It wouldn't have been a big deal, but I, you know, I was in a hurry trying to get out of there. And so, but yeah. And those, those are all just like lessons we collect on the way, but I love that you went and you did it and you apologize. And you're like, Hey man, sorry about that. Like that's, that's all they need to hear. That diffuses the bomb very quickly. When you just say I screwed up. I had one uh, person on my team who hadn't worked with me that long. And I, I didn't really see this as brave, but he told me it was pretty ballsy later. And I was like, I, was like, I don't know. That's just kind of my personality, but I sometimes use humor to deflect. Uh, that's maybe my like coping mechanism, but it was a horrible, horrible situation. So we had a bicondylar tibial plateau and it was one of those perfect cases where the surgeon gave me the CTs, gave me all the imaging. I knew exactly what was going on. So it was like definitely a big medial component, right? Uh, it's like, there's no guessing here. <laughs> like he didn't not tell me what was going to happen. Yeah. And so I had everything sent in um, and it was, you know, lateral plate, medial plate. Like we you know, had some hydrocyte, we had, you know, we, whatever we, we had ourselves set up for success. Right. And uh, it was going to be one of the more junior reps on the team covering. And I get this panic, like panic text from the rep and he's like freaking out. Uh, and I was like, what's going on? And he goes, I think they sent two lateral sets. And I was like, no, that's not possible. Right? Like, yeah. no, that's crazy. Like you checked. Right. And he's like, I, I think it's two, it's two lateral sets. And I say, well, that's not going to be okay. You have to tell the surgeon right now, like right now, like, don't let that patient go to sleep. This is a, this has to, this is a full conversation. Yeah. Because also here, here's the fun part. It was at a surgery center. So there's no oh, backup. Great. Yeah, yeah there's, 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 there's no backup. You're screwed. Um, and I was like, that's, that's like an immediate, you know, do not pass go, do not collect 200. You have to tell him now. And he's like, can you come over here? <laughs> and I was like, 
there's a reason why I wasn't covering this case is because I'm busy. Um, yes. If it's urgent, like if you can't manage this conversation, uh, number one, start having media plates sent over right now, work on that, like work on the solution and I'll come diffuse it. And so I got there and the surgeon was a total sweetheart. You know, he's just a lovely guy. Like only the nicest guys are the ones who get screwed like this. And we got through it. We got the medial plates. And, you know, of course there was a bit of a delay, but we worked on the lateral side first and it bought us some time, you know, whatever, not the greatest situation, but we, we dealt with what we had to deal with. Uh, And at the end he's like, Hey, by the way, I have another case. Uh, next week. And I think he said like, oh, it's going to be like an olefranon. And I say, great. I'll make sure to send the proximal humeral plates in, you know, and uh, just yeah. a joke. Cause like, obviously we just completely pulled yeah. the entire day, but he laughed because it, it showed that I recognized how big the screw up was. And, uh, it showed the junior rep, like you can handle this with grace. It's not yes. always a relationship killer. It's something to learn from. And he learned a huge lesson that day, uh, and was practically vomiting from stress (laughs) and it's a hard situation, but it's also like how the senior rep shows up, you know, for that junior, when a really bad situation comes up, I I never tore him down in front of the surgeon. Right. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's huge. And I think, you know, I think another big lesson from there is like, get the ball rolling on the solution. Let's get it rolling. And then let's go and let's tell the surgeon, let's tell him what's wrong, but we say, Hey, we're working on this. We want you to know, that, that was another lesson that I, I got from that story too. It's just like, I think it's huge to, you know, let them know the problem and let them know that you, you're you working on a solution and like- um, And be realistic with your time frame to fix the error. Like, don't say as soon as we can, doc. Like, that's a horrible answer. Don't say that. four hours, three and a half hours, you know, whatever it's going to be. So- With confidence. Uh, um, it's going yes. to be this time frame, and that sets the expectation. And hey, if it's shorter, then great. <laughs> and if it's not, then at least you were honest. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any advice or tips for people who? Because obviously, you and I are more senior reps, and I know that we can be a tough manage. Do you have any advice for managers who might be listening of how to deal with a dynamic sort of more senior? Uh, let's be honest, challenging, pushing back kind of rep, because those are usually the best ones. Yeah, I would say like you know, uh, before we started recording, Julie and I were just, you know, we were kind of chatting. And I think one of the huge things that you were saying is like, you need to know your team and know, like, for us, the job of the manager is to help us with corporate, right? And to help us with, you help make those relationships at corporate. So it's easier for us to get what we need for everyone to succeed. And I think that you know, reaching out to the more senior reps on the team, maybe like just having sit down conversations with them and, and and just talking about like, you know, setting expectations and the rep can set their expectations with their manager and the manager can set the expectations with the rep because I don't think it's unrealistic for a rep to have expectations of their manager and for to, and those to be known, right? Because for the rep, you have to do it in a respectful way. Um, just as the manager should do it in a respectful way in, in the opposite direction. But good reps aren't going to reach out to their manager every single day. And good managers don't reach out to the reps every single day. Um, and not in a bad way. I just think that I, I think that's, you know, part of the part of the dynamic. And, and, you know, one thing I can say is in this industry is the numbers don't lie. And so, um, it's great to keep your manager in the loop about what you're doing, but like 
they're going to know how you're doing because kind of shows up on the kind of shows up at the end of every month. So, um, yeah, if you're like consistently at 75%, they're probably going to call you anyway, but if someone's hitting their number, just leave them alone. Something's working. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and you know, reach out to them periodically. Hey, is there anything I can help with? Do you have anything, you know, do you have anything cooking that, you know, you need my help with or need me to get, start working on reps would be like, Oh shit. Yes. There is something right. Sorry, I got 9,000 things going on. But yes, what, what's going on with so-and-so? Or, hey, do, do you want to do a dinner with this doctor? I forgot that he said he wanted to meet up. There's sort of the young team that needs the manager and then the more seasoned team that just utilizes the manager. And I think that's a huge difference. And sometimes managers who are a little bit younger in the game can feel kind of insecure, like, why don't they need me? And it's like, no, that's a good thing. If they just utilize you for your role, and for the things that you can pull and do and, and get through corporate and approve, that's beautiful. If they're constantly calling you with like, you know, I don't know, like complaining or I don't understand this, or can you walk me through this? That's a little bit tougher. Like the ones yeah. who are quiet are usually going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's great when they come to you with issues, but they should be utilizing you for your actual uh, role. And that's the sign of a more seasoned team. Uh, if you have a younger team, then obviously you support them as they need it, but it's a good sign if they don't keep pulling on your apron. Uh, yes. Sometimes it's hard. For that's newer, what I would say. Right. And it's, it's hard for newer managers to accept that as a good thing. They feel like, well, what am I doing? It's like, I don't know. Go well, talk about how awesome we are. <laughs> well, and especially for, I, I think it's difficult for managers that come from being a rep too. And they're in this whole, the, the whole world gets flipped upside down. And now they're on, you know, zoom call meetings all day, instead of being in the OR and having their, their phone ring off the hook, putting out 900 fires a day. And maybe, you know, they feel like I, I'm not getting anything done. So you make it sound you know, so glamorous. I, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't be a manager. I, I don't think, I mean, um, just because I do, I, I love the relationships too. And I think the unfortunate thing is when you become a manager, you, you're going to forfeit some of those. You'll keep, you'll keep some of those good ones with the surgeons as you know, cause the, the best relationships with your surgeons, you're going to hang out with them outside of the hospital. And so those are relationships that you'll keep, but you know, just all those little relationships within the hospital are, are things that you probably will, you know, will lose. And so I, and I really enjoyed those little relationships up within the hospital. There's been nursing staff I actually ran an ultra marathon with one of the nurses at a hospital. <laughs> what? Yeah. We just signed up for it on a whim, you know, him and I just would always talk about running and stuff. And we're like, Hey, you want to sign up for this? And he's like, yeah, I was like, I'll do it. We did a hundred K. He beat me too, by about like five minutes. Holy crap. I so, <laughs> You had me at ultra marathon. I'm already like, uh, like I'm already but like yeah. cramping. But th that's just one of those things, right? It's like you, you build this relationship with the hospital staff. And then, you know, we're talking about ultra marathons and then, you know, guess what? A surgeon that I've been trying to get business from is also, his interest is all of a sudden peaked. He's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? You know? So, but it's good for people to hear that. Like, I feel like it's true that in medical device, that there's sort of like two different tracks of success. You don't necessarily keep climbing the ladder. There's the field ladder and there's the corporate ladder. And sometimes people jump into corporate and become a manager and try to keep moving that way. But you're just as successful. If anything, you usually make more money. If, if I mean, we have different definitions of success always, of course, but if money is something that you want to go for, well, guess what? Like 
reps oftentimes make more money than their boss. That's just a reality of our business. And sometimes even their boss's boss, you know, a lot of these larger medical device companies are kind of slowly breaking up some of this um, of the rep power, but I'm also interested to see too, sort of like uh, how they manage these skills of the reps coming in from the field, becoming managers, because it's such a different skill set. So like you've been trained, you've been trained to like hit quota, hit quota, hit quota. It's all very like, and also take care of just your territory and your surgeons. It's a very like, you know, core sort of internal world that reps have. And then all of a sudden to become a manager and have to do like a completely different skill set. All of a sudden you're nurturing and growing people in a different way. I feel like that can be a really hard jump and it's not always successful. I don't know. Just being a manager to me means using a computer and I don't own a computer. (laughs) See, for me in my new job now, it's, or I guess not that new, but like in, in, in my, my different gig, that's like impossible. Cause I'm getting, uh, I'm getting like faxed all this like patient sensitive information yeah, oh, so okay. yeah, yeah, now yeah. i have to be on like practically a government secure server <laughs> like i'm just so used to this my you know everything on the phone is like you need to do a business plan that is a powerpoint wait i've hit my number three years in a row and we're at 115 year to date so do, do we really need this see smart reps are hard to manage i don't know <laughs> almost seems like busy work right we're in this job there's no time for busy work. Um, this is what I love about like, like if there was a medical device company that made me do a CRM, I would be out. I would be out. This is a waste of time. I'm either getting there or I'm not. Just because I'm saying I went to nine offices today doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's like stabbing me deep in the gut right now because I actually just got sort of like told I have to do Salesforce and I was like, okay, so I have what, four more months? I mean, like, is that, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't like doing it. Like you said, we don't have time for that. Like, or we're running in between cases or you don't have reception in the hospital. And I, I don't know. I just think being a trauma rep, how you're going to win is being their person face to face. You know, it's, it's, and Unfortunately, that's a skill that is like slowly waning for a lot of people is like that interpersonal communication and just like actually being there and being present in in your current situation. I think that's something that's huge about getting business and keeping business is like showing up, being there, being present. The hours are going to suck, but when you walk in that those hospital doors, you got to flip that switch, right? And you got, whatever you got going on outside personal life, you just got to put on a different face because if you're not interacting, those skills are really what help you be successful. So it's a really hard needle to thread. You have to not let your personal life affect your interactions in the OR and you still have to be authentic. Yes. And the because, good reps can do both. Yes. Because let me tell you, I, Two years ago, went through, I mean, personal life, went through a divorce. Super difficult to have to turn that side of my life off and walk into the OR. Super difficult. And yes, some of the surgeons I have really good relationships with, they knew what was going on um, because these are some of the guys, you know, that use me more often. And they'd be like, is something going on? What's, you know, they, they could kind of feel me out. That's just because our relationship's a little, little bit deeper. But it's stuff that still comes up to this day where I like get an email. I'm like, oh my gosh, about personal stuff. But 
guess what? I got to go cover a uh, hip fracture. So <laughs> yeah, it's hard when they know you really well. And that's, that's kind of like when you start to kind of walk that line of how much do you share? I, I remember vividly uh, going through fertility issues. And uh, so I had to be on like, you know, meds and I was like, this is like weird for people if they haven't gone through fertility, but there's, you know, drugs that you get put on that essentially make your tummy hurt a lot. Like they make you really bloated. So basically you're like about to get harvested. It's like a fucking sci-fi film. Uh, but I was in a lot of pain because I was about to have surgery the next day, like a little outpatient procedure. And I wasn't telling anybody, I wasn't like walking into my trauma center. Like, Hey guys, I happen to be in a ton of abdominal pain today because yeah. I'm like getting my eggs harvested tomorrow. Like, no, I didn't say anything, but people hug me a lot. I don't know what it is. I have a hugger look or something. And so people will, You're a hugger. I, I guess a I'm hugger. a hugger. And so, <laughs> but I remember walking in that day and someone in cell processing, uh, was like, Hey, what's up Jules. And she came up and she grabbed me right around my waist and I flinched and she's like, are you okay? I was like, I had to make that choice. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. It's got a little tummy issue today. Like, I just, I didn't know how to say like, yeah, this yeah. is too much for work, but those are hard because there are moments where people start to know you so well, you're almost another staff member that oh, like, yeah. it's hard to hide that stuff. <laughs> yes. You become another staff member. If you're here, if you're, if you're around long enough, you become another staff member. That's, that's the good stuff. That's kind of where you know, that's kind of where you get to leverage again, those beautiful relationships, if, and when, like you've been there for them so much that sometimes they're okay to help you in these situations. Like you just experienced. And like, yeah. honestly, I just can't thank you enough for being so upfront with everything. Um, yeah, of course. I think that, you know, I truly want other people to be successful. And if you can learn from me, awesome. I will learn from you. I think that like, like you mentioned, if you can help somebody, you know, it really it really will come back to help you like 10 times over. Yeah. There's no such thing as a bad connection in this business. You never know where it's going to nope. land you. You never yeah. know when it's going to come back at you and sort of like, Oh my God, it's you, you know? Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> what's up? I haven't seen oh, you in like 10 years. <laughs> you're my new manager now. Oh, no. oh that has so happened. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so funny story. I was a, I was a surgical tech at Natividad in Salinas and I had uh, come over from Synthes. So I had left Synthes, couldn't get a transfer. And I scrubbed for another couple of years. This is before I came on with Stryker. And uh, the rep at the time was an awesome dude. I won't drop his name just in case he's not cool with it. Uh, but I actually kind of balled up one of his deals. So my manager knew that I had experience in the device industry specifically with orthotrauma. She goes, Hey, can you sit in on this meeting? I was like, yeah, sure. And I listened to their proposal and I was like, nah, that's not right for us. Uh, I still stand by it. He and I talk about it to this day. It's hilarious. Um, guess what? I went to Stryker <laughs> and, yeah. and he was like, Hey, remember that time you totally balled my deal. <laughs> guess what? He became my manager. And I was like, Oh man, but at least I had, I was like, Hey, I had a logical, you know, rational reason yeah, for not yep. wanting it. Uh, but it's funny, even a situation like that, where you can think in what, in what situation, in what world would we ever be coworkers? No way. And it's like, well, actually, yeah, not even that long after that. Now we um, are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, and like, he probably <laughs> was like, to this day, he's probably like, yeah, you're right. It wasn't a good, it wasn't the best deal for the hospital. And he probably would admit it. 
And so it's okay if he's salty about it, but it was, it was <laughs> cute though. It's like, it just shows you like what goes around, comes around in so many different boomerangs that you can't really tell. So you may as well just be a good person and, and not so tied. Like, obviously like, you know, rep your company as best you can, but rep yourself. Yeah. Rep the industry and exactly. be kind to each other because we need each other sometimes. So, well, thank you, Austin. If there's any young people out there, you know, that want advice, feel free to reach out to me. Like, send me a message on LinkedIn. Just make it not be like one of those recruiter message looking <laughs> messages and I'll respond. You don't um, want to go sell aesthetic injectables? And make 600,000 <laughs> plus my first year? Yeah. And, and if anybody um, needs Austin's direct contact and, you know, as long as it's cool with him, which it sounds like it is, you can yeah. always uh, email uh, repstorytime at gmail.com and we will get you that contact information and make sure you guys get connected. So thank you, Austin. Perfect. You're the best. Good luck on your new right. journey. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait to hear about it. Thanks, Jules. I'll definitely keep you updated. Thanks for joining us today on Device Rep Storytime. Don't forget, you can always submit your own story to repstorytime at gmail.com. We'll reach out to you and make sure that you get your story heard. Thanks a lot, guys. Stay safe out there.